This week on Phantom Jukebox, a tale of courtrooms, heavy metal, hidden messages, and studded leather. Join us as we learn about the legendary rock band Judas Priest and the tragic circumstances that put them in a courtroom in 1990. Okay. I have to fight the urge to read that as like studded leather or uh, Vincent Price because I've been listening to a lot of studded leather thong. This week on Phantom Jude Box, a tale of courtrooms, heavy metal, hidden messages in studded leather. (laughs) I love Vincent Price. I've been listening to so many of his books, of his stories. I just, I instantly thought of the leather thong from part two of. Yeah. Is it is this rope? And we're live. Hello, everybody. I'm Ty Lindsay. And I'm Joseph Shannon. And we're two musicians that dive into the world of music, their myths, conspiracies, and bizarre music history. You can find our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Good Pod, Podbean, anywhere you can find podcasts. And if that uh, listening service has a, a uh, review fo- function or like a, a like function, if you could give us five stars in a review, we'd really appreciate it. It, uh, it does a lot for the show. Um, you know, just uh, whatever you want to say, it doesn't matter. Well, you know, maybe you, want, you maybe you want to critique the show. We're more than happy to get your feedback as the uh, the listeners, and it helps us grow. Or you just say you liked it or your favorite part of an episode. Whatever you want, the world is your oyster, and so is that comment box. Yes, and also you can talk to us a little bit more in depth on Twitter at Phantom Jukebox underscore. Facebook at Phantom Jukebox, Instagram at Phantom Jukebox Podcast, and TikTok at Phantom Jukebox Podcast. All thanks to Dakota Galvin, who does amazing work on that. Yes, she is the sorceress of social media, Mm. uh, truly living up to her title with that. Um, So normally, uh, if you've been been listening to the show, you would know that we would kind of run through some announcements now. We've gotten some feedback, and we're doing that at the end of the show. Yes. Also going to talk about our uh, season finale because we're, we're going to tell you how that we're on our countdown to the season finale mm-hmm. for this year. So stay tuned for that and other news coming up. So we're getting right into it. Yeah, we've heard you. We're, we're going to get right into the story. And uh, to begin with, Joe. How much do you know about Judas Priest and or backmasking or subliminal messages? Um, as far as Judas Priest is concerned, uh, I know that they are one of the, like, uh, godfathers of metal, if you would say, uh, when people consider metal music as a genre that Judas Priest is most often brought up as well as, you know, uh, Dio and Metallica, Black Sabbath, what have you. But, um, honestly, not the huge Judas Priest fan. That's. I recognize the talent, but it's just, I, I don't usually go searching for the music. I got you. So kind of like a, if it comes on the radio, like breaking the law. Or, yeah. I'll listen to it, but it's not something that I uh, avidly play on loop uh, on a two mile, two hour drive, you know? 
I, I get that. I get that. I, for me, I hadn't really listened to them. Uh, I mean, I listened to a lot doing the research for this to catch up. And there's more songs than I thought I liked mm. um, going through their catalog. Because my favorite Judas Priest song, I'm sorry for all of you diehard fans out there, but my, unironically, my favorite Judas Priest song is uh, Turbo Lover. Okay. Okay. It's, it's so ridiculous. The music video is so bad. But that song is so goddamn catchy. <laughs> Turbo Lover! So good. It's so good. Um, you know, cause you have to like break in the law and uh hell bent for leather and stuff like that. Like, I mean, that's, those are the, that's Judas yeah. Priest, like Bohemian Rhapsody. Like he, exactly. You gotta, if you like Judas Priest. But as far as, uh, uh, messages played backwards on records, I have heard rumors of that on Judas Priest and ACDC. And I think Black Sabbath is the only ones that I heard the rumors of, but I don't have a lot of pre-knowledge on on all of this yes uh so so in your own words what are the subliminal messages like what how how does one come to find them in your uh, own words? well uh you take a, a record uh-huh. and you put it on the record player and in in the olden times back in the olden days you could make it go backwards and it would sound like uh the lyrics that if you normally would play them forward would be fine. But then when you play them backwards, that's actually meant to say something else and to get you to uh, surrender yourself to Satan. Ah, yes. Almost exclusively correct. Yes. That isn't the only, the only possible purpose. It's not like, Hey, buy more products. Like in today's day and age, it's, it's, it's just hail Satan. <laughs> they don't say any other but words, but it's very passive about it too. He's like, he's not such a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> very polite remembers all your names don't knock it till you try it kind of <laughs> he's like santa with horns <laughs> they both like red that, that is that is true that is true <laughs> so okay so you get a so you actually you have a decent footing here with what yes some, some understanding okay so um that's about actually before doing the research on this one where I was with okay. backmasking and stuff. I didn't know it was called backmasking. I always thought it was just subliminal, like, you know, reverse whatever, but I didn't yeah. know it was actually called backmasking. Backmasking mm. is the term for it. And just as a, as a, a precursor, we're going to say it now. This episode um, has some tough topics. We're going to cover some tough subject matter. Rather um, this episode covers, uh, We've got a, a pretty violent scene, and um, this is going to be a two-parter, uh, as the title would dictate. But And this one, we're going to go through Judas Priest, and we're going to kind of work our way up to the court case. And in the second episode, we're going to uh, go through the court case in, ah. like, in detail. We're actually okay. spending extra time uh, making sure we're getting that right. But in the course of that, in both episodes, and we'll do it again in the next one, there we're going to the topic of suicide is going to come up. There's going to be descriptions. It's going to be relatively graphic to an extent. Um, not quite dateline, but graphic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so if you are sensitive to that subject matter, heads up now. Um, if you or anyone, you know, is dealing with any kind of suicidal situation, dark mindset, you know, that you're worried about or that needs that focus, make sure you, you know, you help them find a professional. Be that friend. Be that friend. Um, 
uh, if you you can text seven four one seven four one to connect to the crisis council uh, to connect to a crisis counselor um, from the mental health resources in the U.S. and then um, Sam Sam S A M H S A's national help. I don't I can't really read that acronym. I apologize. Uh, but the national helpline is 1-800-662-4357. And it's a free, confidential, 24-hour a day, 365 information service for anyone facing those kind of dark issues, you know, those mm. that dark headspace. So it's a warning now, you know, just heads up. So we're not going to quite get into that area just yet because we're going to learn about Judas Priest first. Okay. And... Uh, Judas Priest, just to get the bio going, is a heavy, uh, an English heavy metal band formed in Birmingham in 1969. Uh, they're credited as being one of like the originators of heavy metal. Because if you see early pictures of Judas Priest, they're wearing like blouses and stuff. Uh, yeah. Rob Halford's got this long blonde hair. Um, they look like like a almost like a hippie band in some videos that I've seen. But he's just doing those like super high. Yeah, uh, super high vocals. The, the Judas Priest I've always known has been like the leather and stuff, but that's something they came into like in the late 70s, 80s. After Satan, yes. After Satan, he was a wardrobe, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Every band, after they include Satan in their songwriting, you know, has to go through that wardrobe change to really embrace the Satanism. I hope you like leather. <laughs> um, so they're frequently ranked one of the greatest metal bands of all time. Obviously, you have to. It's you know, uh, we're talking heavy metal. Like, I mean, you can get specific with thrash and stuff, but Metallica is going to be there. Yeah. ACDC is going to be there. Judas Priest is going to be there. Uh, uh, Black Sabbath's going to be there. Some people yeah. would include Led Zeppelin. Depends on, I would okay. include Led yeah. Zeppelin, but yeah. you know, there's just, they're everywhere. They're those bands. I mean, there's other bands obviously, but those are like the ones everybody knows because they're that mm. famous. You have to give them credit for that. They've sold over 50 million copies of their albums just in total, just everything put together. I don't have a streaming number, unfortunately, but um, despite their huge fan base, Judas Priest has never been well received much uh, by the music press. They've always kind of had a battle with like some publicity stuff. Oh, uh, part of that comes because they, um, their popularity, like they were, they were kind of in like the seventies um, running around, but then, um, you know, you they have punk coming up at that same time too. Oh, yeah. So they kind of get caught up, like they incorrectly get bundled up into some punk stuff. Like they're doing the heavy metal thing while punk is happening, and you yeah, know, like, I could see that. Why thing. aren't you punk? Or you know, why do you sound like this when everybody sounds like that? You know, mm. you should sound this way. Power chords, man. Power chords. But um. Uh, one example of the Rolling uh, of the Rolling Stones gave their first three albums a one star of like each album. Wow! Each of their albums just got one star, and this is Judas Priest we're talking about, which have never been a shabby band ever, ever. Jeez. Um, and the, there was a quote uh, for lovers of lead of sorry for lovers of stolen Led Zeppelin riffs only. That's a description. Wow. What's a description? damn that's pretty brutal uh i don't hear any like there is there's actually um when we get to talking about the song um the song beyond the realms of death 
comes up in this, which is a gorgeous song, very, very dark subject matter, but it's a, it's a very beautiful song. Uh, me and Dakota were listening to it. We're like, this, this opening sounds like we thought it was a cover of a Beatles song at first because the opening really sounds like, uh, as my guitar gently weeps, you know, the, oh. that, that, uh, 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 chord progression yeah. sounds that way. So we thought they, they were more akin to the Beatles than Led, you know, Led Zeppelin of all people. Yeah. But if you're going to make that argument about Led Zeppelin, I love Led Zeppelin, but let's be real. If you're going to talk about stolen goods, you know, you can't, you can't really defend Led Zeppelin mm. in the category of stolen stuff. I mean, whether or not they did it as often as they, people say, but. You know, they weren't afraid to do it. So I, 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 it's, yeah. kinda, it's a little hypocritical. You can't. Uh, I think there was a poor analogy on the writer's part. Led Zeppelin didn't say this. This is the writer for the Rolling Stones said that uh, about the stolen riffs only thing. So I just, I wouldn't say it would have been funny if he said twice stolen, <laughs> twice removed. Yeah. Oh, but um, so that's one of the reasons people think that. Um, Judas Priest doesn't have that Led Zeppelin ACDC status where they've just, mm. they've all kind of come around the same times, but they're not like as big for some, they're not as big, but they're almost, I mean, someone says Judas Priest and you go like, I think I've heard of a band called Judas Priest before. Uh, so now we're going to talk about the timeline leading up to the incident, you know, with the, that Judas Priest okay. gets caught up in, you know, why they go to this big trial. Uh, in 1977, they signed with Columbia and released their Sin After Sin album. It was produced by ex-Deep Purple bassist Roger Glover. And it differed from most heavy metal music from the time by being uh, shorter with more discernible melodies. So not so much like the long, deep cuts, you know? Yeah. Which is a cool thing and a sad thing. Like, it, it's very essential. Now, there's a reason why a lot of songs are like three minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah, like, and, and I think in the future I could easily see like thirty seconds getting shaved off that. Yeah, you know, things like the things like TikTok. You know, it's like this immediate gratification thing, like the entertainment that you're. It's 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 training your attention span to be really really short. Yeah, and what you would have in you know earlier you know albums you know with Led Zeppelin bringing them into it, they would have songs that are four plus minutes um a six minute song wasn't as rare as it is nowadays yeah yeah because if you have a six minute song think about the last time in, in any genre uh metal included like any genre the, the last time you heard a six minute single how difficult it would be to have that as a single on an album yeah um i don't even think i think master of puppets succeeded in that regard as being a single, if I'm not mistaken, but, uh, that that's Metallica and that's, yeah, that's how good that song is. And that's a rarity. Yeah. One by Metallica is like seven minutes long. That was, a, that was a single. Um, I, I do, I will note, uh, Trivium's, uh, newest album, uh, in the court of the dragon, uh, Alex, I think is how it's pronounced. P H A L A X. Uh, is uh, six minutes and something seconds, and that's my favorite song off that album. Yes, yeah. yeah. I'm usually drawn to if if there's an album of regular like 
at the time was usually like four minutes and a half, you know, each song. But then there'd be like that one six minute song. That's usually the song that I really liked off that album. Oh yeah. No, the, the crusade from, uh, talking about trivium Mm. from the crusade album, like the, uh, and Shogun, they did like two albums, I think almost back to back where the last song was like the title track. And it was, uh, I think the crusades an instrumental and then Shogun is like, I was like three songs put together. Yeah. that tell this really, really cool story about, you know, villagers going up to kill the, the, the Shogun and the Shogunate and all that. It was really cool. That's Shogun is how a metal album is supposed to sound. Yeah. I, that is the best sounding metal album altogether in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, master puppets double checked. It was a single, but you know, that's, Master Puppets is what eight minutes? It's, is it seven minutes? It's long? pretty long. Yeah, it's really long. But that's how like that's how rare that happens. Uh, one again is, is a rarity. But that's, I I think the reason why that length worked on Master Puppets and one by Metallica, uh, it, it goes through so many different like phases of the song. Oh no you know? no! For those songs, it certainly works. Yeah. And I do know too that single length also has to do with like the the length of like certain records at the time. Like you know, if, uh, yeah, I know that, but like that carried over and still persists to this day. Of like, uh, like it it goes into how long I think you're gonna stay with something. Uh, and it wasn't uncommon for bands with like full albums to have these like really cool deep cuts. And uh, yeah, those are my favorite songs. As far as like other worlds concerned, I want to be the guy that writes those. Yeah. I don't think I'm good at writing singles. Yeah. Um, cause you know, waters was one I sat on for a long time and, uh, it took me five years to put that song together mm. <laughs> and, uh, and it's a pretty weird sounding song and it's, it's got a weird, uh, Connor put that one together because he's, he's just a much better arranger than I am. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's a weird sounding song. Um, ghost, I think is the closest I've ever gotten to writing a single mm. as far as our music's concerned. But that one's still weird. Um, but yeah, I've never like gone out to write like singles. I'm not, I'm not that good at it. I like, I like the journey and those tend to be the songs that usually don't get a lot of love. Unfortunately, I, I really do feel like every album should have that one six minute song. Right. I think it's, yeah. To kind of show people what you yeah, got. It's you have the rest of the album. If you do have that shorter attention span, but if you really like the band and you really want to like see more of their creative side, check out that six minute song. Yeah, that's one of the. It's the only reason that um, money is on Dark Side of the Moon, mm. is because the producer said we need a single for the album, and they just huh. happened to have money ready to go. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean that's. I mean it's one of the greatest selling albums all of all time, uh, and it needed. They needed uh, one. Basically, it's a, basically a single for those who are not familiar. Is basically the flagship of the album. It's it's the. It, it won't be like the sometimes it's the first song or like it could be anywhere in the album. I don't know if it should be the first song you put on. I I, I like to keep it in the middle first. Yeah. But um, it's, it's a song that if you had to put the money behind the promotion, because you can't promote every song you pick one, that's your single you put, you know, that's the music video. That's, you know, um, for us, it was take me with the flood on that album. Uh, was one of the singles mm. we did. You can have multiple singles, but you'll have a main one too. Um, yeah, but those are the songs that get music videos or lyric videos. Uh, will you know sometimes the tour will be named after that song, and that's the one that for that album. You know that's what you know. You listen to that song, then check out the rest of that. What you know the rest that it's connected to. And I think so. it's cool 
with that whole method of of doing that you can also see like what song the band thought was going to be a hit off the album and what song versus what song was the hit off that album and sometimes when it's completely like different right and they're completely wrong on that and guessing yes that's seldomly and i think you're you're hitting you're headed that point um seldomly a single off an album is the best album the best yeah. best song on the album yeah very rarely like a because usually you would think you would name the album if you're going to name it off of one of the songs on the album you'd name it off the one you think is the best on that album yeah and usually when that when i see an album that has that where the title title of the album's the title of the song that's usually not the song that I love. Yeah. Oddly no. enough. Um, uh, well, you know, we're talking about all this Metallica. I can't not talk about Megadeth. Um, okay. For me, yeah. uh, euthanasia is a, is a pretty good album, but um, euthanasia is not the best song on the album. For me, it's train of consequences. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's such a cool song. It is, it is not the uh, killing roads. A good one too. Uh, but yeah, no, um, you oh, were I mean, like the way of all flesh by Gojira. I mean, what was the single from that one? Is that the single? Uh, the way of all flesh is the title of the album, yeah. but then it's also one of the tracks on the album, but yeah. I think vacuity and, uh, the art of dying are way better. Yeah. Those, those wound up being singles, but yeah, the, the, uh, way of the flesh is the, the main one you're saying. Yeah. You know, vacuity is a masterpiece. Yeah, a masterpiece. They, you know, there's songs you hear on your. I and mean, we we've, um, you know, not to not to toot our own horns and stuff, but uh, when you're a musician and you hear a riff that you like, like you know, you hear it back, like you know, and you get like the the rough master back or whatever, or you're in like mm-hmm. a, or you're just jamming out, you know, working on like the the track and with the you know your band or just you know wherever you're at, and you have a riff and you know it's gonna be, uh. Just I mean, you know it's a banger. Like you know you yeah, got yeah, uh, you, you've got molten lava right there. You're like this is good. That's this the is, reason why one of ours is called the sauce right it's now. The sauce, <laughs> yeah, because it's got that special sauce. It's got this. Yeah, no, really, and it's a song. Um, the one we're working, the one that uh, we're working on now that Kenny that uh, our uh, audio wizard Kenny's working on uh, is a song I actually wasn't a big fan of, but yeah. after it came together. Yeah, started really, really like it, and then we have the other one, which is the sauce, which is a song I pretty much I was I was a little curious about, but then again, it just came together at the end. I'm like, this this sounds. You have to figure it, it's a it's a tough blend to like write a single that you know is going to do well, but also that you like, which is a, it's yeah. a thing I think we do well. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's tough because it's that's the one you kind of like guess what people are going to like. You, you kind of like conform the most with your yeah, singles. it's hard. It's hard. No, it's, it's a game you have to play. And then especially uh, the, we're all very creative. And so if we wrote just songs that we specifically would want to hear it, I think it'd have a very different vibe. And you can tell that we're also trying to take in to account that we want other people to want to listen to this too, like the mass media instead of just like real hardcore, uh, hyper specific base of fans yeah so <sighs> long story short i think yeah. it'd, be, it'd be nice to come back to writing longer music but yeah I'm, I'm cool with writing the deep cuts on the album uh back to judas priest 
1980, they made uh, the top 40 in the United States with the uh, in the United States with the album British Steel. Um, so their music was we, their music was starting to pick up here in like the early 80s in America. Um, but they're also they're all they're very much known for their live performances. So they started off with the blousey long hair and the kind of, you know, the big hats and the frilly collars and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then it turned into the black leather, the, you know, the, the whips and the Harley Davisons and the fire and the fire mm. and the yeah. fire. Yeah. <laughs> they give Rammstein a run for their money with the fire. Like Rob oh, Halford man. showed up in like a, a full studded fireproof, like, overcoat thing and he said it weighed mm. like 200 pounds that he had to like walk around and like in the beginning of a show wow yeah and i think he got lit on fire with it too if i'm not mistaken but yeah it's it's they go hard they go really hard and i, I appreciate that a lot so much about bands that put on a that really strive to put on a show yeah it giving trying to give you much more than just an audio experience because that's why you're there yeah. I mean, you know, if you want to listen to this, I think we've brought this up before. If you want to listen to a CD, put the CD in. Yeah. Um, I'm not the, and, uh, I'm not the biggest kiss fan, but I mean, hell yeah. They're there to put on a theatrical performance. Black Sabbath. The whole reason yeah. they went with the occult thing was to be like a, a horror movie performed on stage. Yeah. Chucking meat at their audience. Chucking meat at the audience. Um, further than I would want to go, but interesting. Wow. I'll give um, it a shot. Yeah, so their their live performances started to really pick up, and then uh, we have 1982 "Screaming for Vengeance," which became their uh, first gold album, peaking at number 17 in the U.S. And then 84's "Defenders of the Faith," oh, Judas Priest, like especially with "Defenders of the Faith," and uh, if I'm not mistaken, is like the giant cat with the the tiger with the horn tank album artwork. They had a okay. They have really really great like almost Art Deco looking artwork. Hmm. Um, for a, and a couple albums in a row. I love it. I, I think it's some of the best design ever. And just for me and my personal style being kind of like out there. Yeah. It's so good. The line work is just chef's kiss. It's so good. Mm. I can only describe it as like art deco meets Harley Davidson. So good. Huh. It's so good. I would, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll show you pictures and stuff. But yeah. yeah. It's like the, the tiger that looks like a Zoid, you know, a Megazoid or something like that. Uh, with like the whole, it's horns, it's got tank treads. It's so good. Um, but, uh, uh, so they released this album and, but they're, so Judas Priest is kind of getting into like the breaking the law, hell bent for leather kind of sound. Like they're finding that, you know, that sound for themselves, uh, coming off of almost sounding prog rock. Oh, really? Kind of a little yeah. bit little bit but they're getting more into like the the, the metal thing and uh, so the metal tastes were kind of beginning to change like we're getting into the the it was 84 now so now we've got metallica really moving full speed here i think i think kill em all comes out in 84 because i think i think master of puppets is what 86 i think master of puppets is 1986 mm, i can't recall it's something like that um Tell us in the comments. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, we're, we're shifting from the ACDC metal type to Metallica. Like we're getting, we're get, we have the taste for something heavier. Um, and like speed and thrash groups are, are heading, we're heading that that's becoming the, the popular thing to do. Mm. And um, 
uh, Jesus Priest isn't, they're not, they're not doing that. They're, that's not, they want to do what they want to sound like Judas Priest. And instead of becoming a thrash metal band, they stay true. You know, they, they are defenders of the faith. <laughs> they stay, yeah. uh, they stay with, with their like kind of eighties kind of sound, uh, the early eighties sound. And, um, uh, many of these new metal, uh, Metal bands cited the group as one of their early influences, including uh, Van Halen, Metallica, Slipknot. All of these bands are drawn, are you know, especially what I'm noticing with these two is that these are all bands with really, really strong. Metallica is probably the weak one on this list, but really, really strong stage performances. Yeah, Metallica, they they you know they they do their they interact, you know, but they they kind of like walk around like it's, um. I don't really know if you can say it's the technicality that keeps them kind of more stiff, but they're out of that group. I mean, Van Halen is doing like, you know, David Lee Roth is doing like splits in the air and jumping off of things. And, um, Eddie's like smoking and playing guitar at the same time. And Slipknot has a, as a, a drum kit that inverted, yeah. you know, that spun three sixty and shit. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, and then they've got extra members just for the sake of having a stage people that like bang on trash cans and shit. Yeah, I mean, why why do you need thirteen people on stage? Because it puts on a fuck of a show, man. I don't like. Yeah, I does. don't like. I don't even like Slipknot. I don't. I'm not a big Corey Taylor fan. But you have to respect the dedication to like we're putting on a show, yeah. and you know, and they have a incredibly loyal fan base as a result. You know, more power to them. Yeah, that's true. Just because it's not my bag, and all the masks, which I thought was cool. I yeah, mean, I mean, it's it's kind of a gimmick, but I mean, it worked for them. I mean. Uh, Sleep Token is a band that's doing that right now, and uh, uh, Ghost is yeah. a band that's doing that right now. But I, I mean, everybody finds out eventually. It's, it's also, uh, Static X doing the mask thing because uh, uh, the lead singer that passed away, right? Uh, the guy who took over for the lead singer is wearing a mask of the old lead singer's face. That's weird. Yeah, it's pretty metal. It's like it's pretty, pretty, pretty heavy. I want to look into that because that sounds weird. Yeah. Mm. Wayne static, I believe is his name. (laughs) Yes. From, from the humble static family. Yeah. (laughs) We statics are a Yale family. Hey, this is David from the Piecing It Together podcast, a podcast about movies and the movies that inspire them. For over four years each week, a guest and I take a look at a new movie through the lens of what other movies we think were either an influence or connect in some other way. It's a fun, unique way to discuss films that leads to a great list of other movies to check out that either explore the same themes and ideas or maybe utilize similar filmmaking techniques. Including special episodes in our side series that twist the format, we've done over 200 episodes, so there's bound to be one on a film you've been thinking about and want to dig deeper into. So check us out on all the major podcasting apps and at piecingpod.com. In response to them kind of keeping their early 80s sound, uh, they were accused of being out of touch with the metal scene. Uh, guitarist Glenn Tipton uh, said in an interview for Cream Magazine, uh, you have to believe in what you're doing. If you stray from it for one second, it's a sign that you've gotten, it's a sign that you're not genuine. We are genuine. We believe in heavy metal. We've played it for 10 years. We've never strayed from it. Mm. So they like what they sound like 
and they're not changing. Um, I like that. Yeah. I was going to ask you like, uh, um, you know, with, with the, the changing of sounds as we were talking about earlier, uh, what do you, what do you think about that? Kind of like, do you think it's a sign of growth to kind of like adjust your sound a little bit to fit the era? Or do you think it's a sign of commercialism? You think? Um, I, I do feel like, uh, there is some respect in keeping, uh, your sound original and true to you. I do feel like there is a level of respect from that, but I feel like the only way you can do that is if you've already kind of made it. Fair enough. You know, I okay. feel like you might, uh, especially in the local band scene, might have to change a bit to get out of the local band scene and to start playing bigger stages and stuff like that and start to get, you know, at least some radio time so that you can have the money and the freedom to start staying true to what you like as okay. a band, you know? Yeah, so not being like a uh, Machine Gun Kelly is the guy I'm going to go to right now. As he started off as a rap guy, and now it's all of a sudden he's wanting to be like Blink-182. Yeah. But, I mean, the difference for him is that he was already kind of famous. Yeah, and and that's the thing, too. It's like when these famous, famous people are like, oh, I'm going to take a stand. And it's like, yeah, that's because you like can and not get hurt by it. Like right. these other there's no, smaller there's... guys, are, if they try to stand up, like for what's more artistic and what's, you know, true to themselves, then yeah, they're just going to be left in the dust. Oh, they'll be, yeah, they'll be told, well, there's somebody that wants it more than you. And then mm-hmm. they'll be asked to leave. Yeah. 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 No, that's one of the catch 22s. Yeah. Of the music business. That's a, it's a, a conversation. Um, that's a conversation when I have with a, a guest you want to bring on. Yeah. Tease that for yeah. season two. Uh, to get into that heavy uh, about being uh he's, he's specifically more of a rap guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is a world I'd like to get more into. Uh, but it'd be cool to hear from his perspective. So that, that's something we're working on. Yeah. So if you're listening now, I want to do that Lincoln park type shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to him about doing some stuff like that, but, but make it good. Lincoln park was sorry, but it was, I, Oh, I'm a big fan of Chester Bennington. Oh, 100%. And because we his, disagree, but his, that, his type of yell is the only one that I could do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the hardest vocals I could push either Chester Bennington or like motorhead. And that's, <laughs> that's my two options. One of them has got technique. And the other one is just, you just do whiskey and then just try not to feel. And your, you just eat a pack of cigarettes. You don't smoke it. You just whole swallow. You got to put the barbecue sauce on them first. <laughs> Sweet baby rays. So. So now we're going to get into some controversy and criticism mm-hmm. um, a little bit prior to the big one. So just to, just to run through it, it's a ba- they're a band that have run into several issues. Um, as we know from our previous episodes, we did a two-parter on Satanic Panic. Yes. Um, this is happening, like, Satanic Panic gets brought up uh, as in the same circles as this situation we're running into. Mm. We're going to talk a little bit about Tipper Gore, as a matter of fact. Okay. So she get this. This is uh, being one of the filthy fifteen. Um, you know, they get caught up in that controversy, and this is just another controversy that was specific to them. Uh, that we're going to talk about later. But a few to walk up to is um, 
of course the heavy metal genre wasn't received well, you know, they're devil worshipers and, you know, because the, you know, the black leather thing's not helping that, but that's just their look, you know. Um, they would get a lot of like, it would kind of begin with the defenders of the faith album in 1984. Cause that's around satanic panic time is really picking up there. Yeah. Um, so that's when their defenders of the faith album came out. Uh, Tipper Gore's, uh, uh, mothers of prevention as, uh, oh, as Frank so Zappa stupid. called them, <laughs> uh, Tipper Gore's parent, uh, parents music resource, uh, center, the PMRC felt that they didn't need to accuse them of subliminal messages though, of all the things, uh, Jennifer Norwood of the PMRC, the executive director told Rolling Stone, there's no scientific proof that you can pick up on the lyrics anyway. So, th- you know, the, the backmasking thing has come yeah. up with them. And basically even the PMRC is like, you're just a point of how ridiculous the scene, the thing is we're going to talk about later. Even the PMRC is kind of like, no, that's not the thing we're mad at them about because that thing isn't even, we don't even think it's real is what they're wow, saying. Yeah. They don't like their lyrics that you can understand. Oh, okay. So, um, the PMRC did feature eat me alive from defenders of the faith on the filthy 15th. Um, Halford defended the oft quoted line of the song saying, I'm going to force you to eat me at gunpoint by claiming that it was meant to be tongue in cheek. <laughs> nothing, nothing that the band had uh, censored uh, noting this is Halford still. He noted that the band had censored the really obscene lyrics themselves. Halford toward cream magazine. You should have seen the original lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Halford seems to be like a really fucking funny guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So now we're getting into the big controversy. So they had, mm. you know, they had the, they were on the filthy fifteen for like the workup, and then they had some. Um, they, there was some arguments with the imagery of like the album, like the cool cat tank thing, you know, tiger tank thing. Um, but now, since we're getting into the major controversy, this is where we're gonna. This is the graphic warning. Okay, you know, we're getting into the the dark side here. So no children beyond this point or people of a weak constitution. All yes. Right? Yes. Like I said, it's not going to be dateline, but there is going to be some graphic imagery as described. You have been warned. Yes. But if you're still here, thank you for sticking around. Kudos. Thank you for listening to the show. We really appreciate you. Yes. We really do. We really do. Have we, have we said you look uh, handsome and or beautiful today? <laughs> Those shoes that just go with everything that you're wearing. Um, so their so Judas Priest's biggest controversy came to a head in 1986 when two Nevada families brought suit against CBS Records and Judas Priest, claiming that the lyrics on the band's 1978 Stained Class album had driven their sons to attempt suicide. Oh wow! I remember like I remember um, I've seen documentaries on this before, and then uh, like yeah, behind the music type stuff. But really digging into it, like getting into the nitty gritty details, we, me and Dakota watched the documentary, um, uh, Dream Deceivers. It was it was called, yeah, uh, which we'll we'll probably talk more about in the part two of this episode. But uh, uh, it was it was uh, it was a lot. It was it was that documentary doesn't. It's not very good. Just it just in yeah. short, like it's good for the information. Like if you want to know what the whole thing kind of summarized up, but the viewpoints they give and the way they present it, it's not very good. So it's, we'll talk about that more in detail, I believe later. So 
On December 23rd, 1985, 18-year-old Ray Belkamp, uh, Belknap, sorry, B-E-L-K-N-A-P, and 20-year-old James J. Vance had been drinking and smoking weed and listening to Judas Priest albums for hours, apparently. It's mm. to some sources. The number varies, but it's, it's yeah. a long time. And according to Vance, all of a sudden, we got a suicide message and we got tired of life. So in that listening to it, um, they heard something that made them, you know, you know, it's time to go. Like it's time to, you know, delete ourselves. Wow. Um, the two went to a nearby park and each shot, uh, himself. So they, it was self-inflicted, uh, uh, in the head with a sawed off shotgun. Jesus. Yeah. So with a shotgun, they basically, I believe, uh, they described, uh, as putting it under the chin. And then mm. pulled the trigger. I wow! Didn't, I didn't get the gauge. I believe it was. I believe it was a twelve gauge. Of it's. I mean, it's a shotgun. It's a fucking shotgun. But I. Yeah. But a four ten isn't. If you're familiar with firearms, it's not a very big round. So I believe it was like a twelve gauge. I mean, it'll kill you. A twelve a four ten yeah. will certainly do the, yeah. do the job. But, um, but it that's like a s- small games round. Yeah, four ten. That's if you've seen. They're very long and narrow. Twelve gauge is the one you're probably used to seeing in movies. Yeah, kind of that that fat short cylinder. Uh, but they 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 placed they so they both did it. They both shot themselves. Um, Belk Belknap died instantly, but Vance sustaining catastrophic injuries survived. Wow, and it is it, it's rough. It is rough, like. Uh, they they show him uh yeah we're going to it's it's bad. the documentary that was one thing that what the documentary did point out is like what that will do to your face like it's mm. it, it was it was i don't mean to be crude but it was tough to look at him it was tough to, to like cuz he could you could still kind of make out what he was saying they had subtitles wow um but it was he was hard to look at um yeah it was uh, awful uh, but Vance's suicide attempt blew away the bottom part of his face, uh, leaving him disfigured for those three remaining years. Like he he died in 1988, so he would survive for three more years. Oh wow! His injuries. So did he like point it to? Jeez, to just take out like yeah, that's so basically from like the way to describe and this. Hey, graphic. Um, basically, like imagine the front part of your jaw being gone and shearing off your nose. And then I think the line went up like the center of his like forehead. Oh, wow. Basically like the dead center of his face. Yeah. Um, Because he didn't have, from what I could tell in the, him talking and stuff, he didn't really have like brain damage from it. It just like, it was all like surface injuries. And I think like he just didn't angle it right. (laughs) I, 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 I can't imagine the level of pain. After to, the to after survive. the shock calms down, it would be waking up after for me. Yeah, because the shock is going to knock you out. But then waking up and realizing what happened. Mm, yeah, Jesus Christ. And he watched uh, Ray do it. Like Ray did it first, and then he had to pick the gun up because they only used one gun. Wow! And then do it to himself. How do you how do you see your friend do that, and then? that not at least shock you out of like, Oh, I don't want to die. Um, 
I don't know that that came up in like the court documents, but mm. their mental state certainly does come up and their backgrounds certainly do play okay. a factor in the verdict okay. later on, which, and that will be in part two. That's in part two. So this is more about the incident right now. Okay. So he endured, uh, all kinds of experimental plastic surgery, basically to get him to be able to eat and breathe. Wow. Cause you think about it, like you take an oxygen from two holes in your face and he blew off both of them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like his nose was like non-existent. Like they, I, they had to like, kind of like make him a nose, I think to like reconstruct the passageways or something like that. But he had no Jeez. bottom lip or anything like that either. Like it, when he, I'm saying it's, it was, it's tough to look at, but like, he just like, there's no, like he would wear like a shirt. He'd wear a shirt and then he wore a shirt over that shirt without putting his sleeves through. So we could like dab his face. Wow. It's just, it's, there's no stopping it because there's nothing to stop it. Jeez. Yeah. It was, it was bad. Um, that's, that's, that's all I can really say about it. I don't have words for it. It was just terrible. Yeah. Um, so he endured plastic surgery to get him back to like eating and being able to breathe, but the damage to his face was irreparable. And, uh, it's safe to say like he was, he was constantly suffering from it. Like there's, there was no going, there was never, ever going back to normal. He would have, if, if he continued to live, it would, that that's basically as good as it was going to get. Mm. Uh, Jay wrote to Raymond's mother, uh, saying that I believe that alcohol and heavy metal music, such as Judas priest led us or even mesmerized us into believing that the answer to life was death. Uh, quoting the Judas Priest lyrics. Wow. Uh, beyond the Realms of Death from 1978 Stained Class um, album, the song revolves around a depressed person. So just, this is the song again that they, they're talking about, and this is the subject matter of the song. It revolves around a depressed person who has entered a nearly uh, apathetic state of mind and then like finally dies. Basically, they don't, they don't like take their because i've listened to it um and i've i was i have listened to it and they don't really describe them as like offing themselves it's basically like wasting away because they're so mm. apathetic they're so depressed about life and yeah. the way like the way basically with the way things are and um but it's not it, it's a sad song and it's a sad song about a character and it's not like there's no celebration of this situation happening in this song uh, like Judas, this isn't like one of, uh, this is the song that we were saying kind of sound like my like guitar gently weeps. It's like that same melancholy tone. Like it's not a, yeah. it's not really a heavy metal song. It's a ballad basically. Um, and the lyrics, so they get into apathetic state and they finally die, um, one way or another, I believe it's mainly by wasting away. And the lyrics ask the question. Is the knowledge worth the bitter cost? Strongly suggesting an anti-suicide stance. Mm. So basically, like they're the person's dying and they're wondering if the life after is better than this one. And if knowing if no is worth dying. Yeah. So is it worth wasting this life now to get to the next one if there's a next one? Yeah, that's almost like an anti-suicide. And the lyrics are is is the knowledge worth the bitter cost? So that it's, it's not a, you guys got a park nearby, you know, it's not a, it's not a celebration of that. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's not a, like a, uh, uh, call to action. Find out the, the one that the, the closest 
mood, I think, but with this song, uh, I think it's actually your favorite from when we were on uh, Latin Jukebox, one from Metallica. Yeah, yeah. Is the closest, I think, if you haven't heard that song, but you have heard Metallica, is the closest I think you can get to the tone mm. of Beyond the... Uh, beyond the realms of death but it's i mean that is a disfigured war veteran in that song yeah uh, going through like basically being dis- literally disconnected from anything and everything uh and kind of like asking to die yeah uh, i mean i guess it's i guess it is pretty close but it's not it's it, the in, in one it's more of an active they wanted to die because of this horrible state the war has left them in mm-hmm. uh, injury wise. And then uh, beyond the realms of death is kind of depression and withering away. So it's, it's less, it's more passive, I suppose, but it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very same tone. It's about the horrors of that. It's not a, it's not a celebration or instructions to go do it or an invitation to go do it. It's, it's about the horrors of a, of either a mental or physical wound, you know? Yeah. I guess that is the best way to put it. It's, the one is physical wounds and then uh yeah. beyond the realms of yeah. death is more of a mental damage so yeah neither one is uh to to say that about either one which no one's saying that about one but would be incorrect like those songs are very yeah. anti death like they don't they don't want that for anybody yeah um so 4 months later after um uh jay had sent that letter Jay Vance. Uh, four months later, Raymond's mom took James' letter to her attorneys, uh, connecting the boy's death pact, uh, death pact to heavy metal music. James' parents sued the heavy metal band and their label at the time, CBS Records, for $6.3 million in damages, which includes the deaths, the medical bills, and the child support for James's daughter. The claim that Judas Priest embedded hidden, uh, the claim was that Judas Priest embedded hidden subliminal messages in one song in particular, Better By You, Better Than Me, from their Stained Class album, When Played Backwards. Uh, by the way, Better By You, Better Than Me is a cover by a band called Spooky Tooth. Mm. Um, the basic, and so this is where we're going to talk about backmasking a little bit. Okay. So uh, one of the things Rob Halford actually mentioned in this court case is, is he's like the it's like the song that they're even putting to court, you know, they're taking us to court for isn't even a song that we wrote. Wow. Yeah. It's like, it's a cover. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, it's by a, it's by a band called spooky tooth. Like he's, 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 yeah. he's very like, what the fuck during the interview. Um, so a little bit of context about back masking or backwards masking is defined as the encoding of audio materials such as words conveying a secret message on a, on a recording in such a way that it can only be heard and understood when rec- the record or recording is played backwards. And that's a courtesy of the Webster Dictionary. Uh, some other famous examples of backmasking include Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven, The Beatles' Revolution Number no. 9, uh, and this started the, uh, I believe on that you hear Paul is dead. Mm. Uh, the Paul is dead theory. So for you and the listening audience, uh, if you wanted to hear what back masking sounds like, Oh, um, 
I have an example for you. And just like a really ever so very quickly set this up for us. Uh, I would like to play you what the song sounds like forwards. And we're not going to get too far into this because like copyrights and stuff, but just to hear what this song sounds like normally. Yeah. So, you know, if you're somehow like, and listening that the backwards lyrics would somehow like influence you while you're listening to it, like regular. Okay. So like it's, yeah, you can play it backwards, but it's supposed to affect you while you're listening to it because Vance and Ray weren't listening to it backwards. Mm. They were listening to it like regular because they weren't thinking to rewind it. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So somehow listening to it for hours and hours and hours, you would be deriving messages like the, the, the blimble messages would be slowly affecting your brain, basically. And like, let's say the message was um, you're listening to the Shrek soundtrack and uh uh smash mouths um oh shit uh what's the song what's the big song by smash mouth um um i can sing it right now yeah i I don't know what it's called shooting star song yeah um what i'm blank totally blanking on that let's say it's the shooting star song whatever uh all star there yeah yeah you know, the, I was going to say, tell us in the comments, but they were going to get that. That was a message that people are going to type out in all caps. It's all star. You fucking idiots. I thought you need music. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so let's say you're listening, you know, you're listening to the Shrek soundtrack and you're listening to all star and it's a bop. You like it. You listen to it through three more times. Yeah. And suddenly you're like, I really want Starbucks coffee. And then you would go buy coffee and you're like, I didn't want it before, but I listened to this song a couple of times and, now I desperately want, I want, I want my, my pumpkin spice, which by the way, I don't care what people say. It's a fucking delicious drink. <laughs> the hell I'm willing to die of. I'll be well caffeinated. I'll be waiting for you. Wide eyed and ready. You drink your shit coffee. I'll be drinking my. my and in the Christmas spirit. Yeah. I'll be in the spooky spirit. Oh man. yeah. Yeah. Spooky. I'm ready. It's, it's, it's so good. It lasts two different holidays. Come at me, bro. <laughs> you Keurig bullshit. Get on my level. Um, <laughs> so, um, so like, you know, it's, that it, it would be like, you know, that's a very lighthearted, stupid example, but yeah, it's, it's that like you listen to it and just suddenly you want a pumpkin spice latte and then you go get it. And it would be the idea that listening to the song, if you played it backwards, you'd hear, don't you want a pumpkin spice latte? It's so good. Go get one. You know, I swear I don't work for them. But this is what the song sounds. So somehow in listening to this song, we would be, you know, we would want to. uh, So real quick. Also, uh, Beyond the Realms of Death is the uh, in that song. They listen to it and they form the blood pact. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jay and uh, Ray. Uh, So they form the blood pact listening to that song. And this is the song that actually makes them attempt suicide. Oh, because played backwards, apparently there's a message of do it, you know, hidden in there. But again, that's, that's a episode. Just that's do part it Two stuff. Yeah. That's, we'll get into more specifics of that in part two, but this is uh better by you better than me. Uh, okay. I kind of see also where like people would uh, 
I like it. Yeah. You know, it's... I can see people being like, why aren't you a punk band? And this yeah. is what they wanted to sound like. Yeah. Right? So that's okay. what that song sounds like normally. And that's uh, about 45 seconds into that song. So this is the song. This is what, like, they play this in court and all this other stuff. This is, you know, in this, you're supposed to hear all the secret messages and stuff. So this is it. This is backmasking. And it is a treat to listen to. Mm. So we're starting with the end of the song. So there's obviously, so this is the end of the song. So there's, there's obviously a fade out. So we're fading back up because we're listening to the song back up to the beginning. Yeah, so. That's trippy. Right? My Twin Peaks fans are, uh, are getting triggered right now. I think it's especially the crash in the drums that makes it. Yeah. I don't hear it at all. Sounds like he's speaking Latin or something. Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. Right. So this. So that that's an example of what back, back masking would be, and like in listening to it backwards, like I mean, you your your brain is going to pick up on things and be like, I think he's, I think he said this. I think you said that, but it's all like subjective. And plus, like if you listen to a song backwards and, and this comes up in the court case too. Um, if you listen to a song backwards that like, you can't quite um, make out the, the, the lyrics, like uh, have you ever heard of misheard lyrics, this is a good example of it. Yeah. Um, Metallica's uh, I'll actually, I'll make note and I'll play it. Um, uh, I'll play, I'll play the examples and I'll, I'll, um, yeah, we'll do that next episode. But basically, if you tell somebody what you hear, their brain will yeah, automatically make yeah. them hear it too. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite ones is uh, uh, Metallica's "Battery." Yeah. If you if you like if you kind of butcher the lyrics, it sounds like he's saying uh, uh, "Fat Irene." Hmm. Like, well, I think the most common uh, note of that is with Jimi Hendrix and the. Uh, uh, with purple haze. Look at me while yes. I kiss this guy. Right. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so he actually made fun of it and started actually singing that in a couple of the performances while looking back at the drummer, uh, just to poke fun at people who thought that's what he was saying. Um, that's hilarious. He, he must, he would have been a cool guy to meet. Rest in peace. That's just gotta meet Morgan Freeman. and It'll, it'll all work out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Listen to that episode and listen to how mad I get when he figures that shit out. <laughs> My God. Um, so, yeah. So when you tell somebody what to hear, they're going to hear it. Even if it's a, it's the inception thing. It's like, if I, if I tell you, don't think about a pink elephant, elephant, what do you think of? It's I immediately like, pictured a pink elephant. Exactly. It's the same, it's the same mindset. And that comes up in court. It's such a subjective thing that they're being accused of and, and it presents it presents more of a problem than it should because mm. the, the court case is, is bullshit. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's presented yeah. on a foundry of a foundation of bullshit. Um, so that's backmasking in a nutshell. It'd be, it'd be something like there's a lot of backmasking stuff. And then I would, I'd like to get into it more deep uh, one day, like really go through it. Um, so uh, just kind of final, uh, final talking points, kind of wrapping up uh, this part of the series, this part of this two-parter. Yes. Um, do you, so do you have any other examples of uh, backmasking that you know of, Joe? Um, I know it, it's played off in movies as well. Uh, I think Deathgasm brings up some stuff on Death that. Uh, Such a movie. But yeah, it's, it's brought up in movies as like, they definitely play off of that uh, satanic panic. Like, yeah. oh, you play this, that record backwards and it makes you just want to start murdering your whole family. Um, trick or treat, um, is a, is a movie I want us to watch for, uh, uh, additional stuff like Patreon eventually. Uh, and it's, it's a, it's a concept. You play this album backwards. It's the master. Like there's, so the master, if you're not familiar would be a vinyl record. You know, it's digital nowadays, mostly. Yeah. but when it was more of a physical medium, like on tape and stuff, the master would be like a, it wouldn't be like the kind of thin vinyl that you're used to records being made of. It'd actually be a heavier, more substantial uh, uh, print and material that could be more sturdy and yeah. that other, uh, other records could be copied from, you know, that's the master. Um, and uh, if you consider fidelity, it doesn't get any cleaner than the master. Everything mm. made from the master is secondhand and diminishes the quality by, even if it's a fraction, it's still that much more. So if you want to get, if you want to listen to a song and it's purest fidelity, you would get the master. Mm. And uh, Trick or Treat is a is a movie about this kid gets a master because the album never went into production, and the the singer was a Satanist, and yeah, uh, yeah, and you, know, you play the album all backwards. your typical tropes, yeah, and he, and he summons a demon, uh, and that's the demon's the monster of the movie. It's like, the special effects in the movie are actually a lot better than you would think they would be. It's by the guy mm. from Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, um, but uh, it is a uh, it's pretty it's a pretty bad movie. <laughs> but, yeah, but I love it. Um, my favorite example of nature, uh, of, a uh, uh, backmasking is, uh, is actually one of my favorite Weird Al songs, Weird Al Yankovic. Really? Uh, and the song Nature Trail to Hell, which is a fucking amazing song. I don't think I've heard this one. Nature Trail to Hell. We can listen to it later. Uh, it's, it's so funny. Uh, but it's from 1984, uh, well, Weird Al, uh, I think it's Weird Al Yankovic in 3D is the album. Uh, Yankovic backmasks his voice and declares that Satan eats cheese whiz. Hmm. Listen to it backwards. Nice. So some people would do it. Like some people would do it as an artistic thing. Oh, I would do it to troll. That's so dude is priest. Like in the, in the, in the next episode, um, we're going to uh, talk about it a little bit. Uh, Rob Halford says it's like another form of expression because up to this point, it wasn't like illegal mm. to like do the backmasking thing. And it would, you would treat it more like an Easter egg. Yeah. It'd be like a fun thing for the audience to find. But if you didn't listen, if you didn't know about it, it didn't hurt you. But if you found it, it'd be like, Oh, this is cool. This is a little special thing. Uh, yeah. they left us, you know, they left for us. And it's not going to say something lame, like always treat your parents with respect. So 
<laughs> Stay in school. Don't do drugs. Yeah, it's not going to have like lame subliminal messaging. I mean, if we're going to do it, we at least make it interesting. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're, so that's about it. What we have for, okay, for part one. We're trying out a different format. Yeah. So, we're going to try, we're going to try doing episodes about an hour to like really try creative limits. That's what I'm going to yeah. call it. Cause, yeah. You've heard our banters. We know how much, you know how much we love it. Yeah. Uh, but if you if you missed it, if you missed the banter, do not worry. There's always the B sides. Yes. The B sides will make a bigger announcement later on, but that is going to be our extra Patreon content, where it's either going to be stuff from episodes that couldn't fit in the episodes, just extra mm-hmm. information that didn't make the cut. Uh, it was interesting, but it just didn't flow with everything else. You know, it, it wasn't part of the main fact, which is a cool thing to know. Uh, the side information, if you will. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that. And then uh, just, or we'll just talk about musician stuff, whatever. Yeah. yeah. The B sides. It's much more chill. You should, we'll make an announcement. When we do, we should really give it a whirl. Working on that back catalog now. But if you want to sample that, we actually have an example of the B sides, which is yes. a Chernabog, like where that character from Disney came from, uh, from uh, the Fantasia movies. So uh, we're going to do our announcements now. So actually real quick, any other, any other wrap up comments from you, Joe, about what we've got so far about the ending of part one? Um, no, I mean, I, I definitely have some songs by Judas Priest that I'm going to check out now. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, just, I, I wasn't really giving them the time of the day before, but I think I give them another chance and uh, go through their uh, discography one more time. Yeah, I'm definitely at least, at the very least, checking out the Spotify. Like this is Judas Priest. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go through that because there's, it's it's good workout music for fucking sure. Mm. Uh, turbo lever while you're driving. Come on, epic. So, uh, so we're trying a different format with the episodes, and we are quickly approaching 2,000 downloads. Actually, wow. Uh, we're in the high 1800s. Actually, if it's not 1890 by now, it's something close to that. Uh, and we're doing something special for our 2000, uh, 2000 download episode, which it might happen this season. It might happen. We might have to come back to it next season or have it in our Halloween special. I don't know. Um, but we're making a special bonus episode for when we hit 2000 downloads. And basically we need your help. The listeners, mm. we, we really do need your help. Specifically, our sorceress of social media needs your help because we need you to send her your favorite Phantom Jukebox moment and why it's your favorite moment from our episode so yes. far. And uh, you can find her on Twitter uh, with at Dakota underscore rights underscore. Um, yeah, at Dakota, D-A-K-O-T-A underscore rights underscore or you can email us at phantom at gmail.com and put in the subject something along the lines of ty don't read okay so yeah. before anything else just let me know that i'm not supposed to read it because i'm walking into this episode blind oh so me and joe are both walking yeah. into these episodes yeah. uh blind i'm not gonna know people's favorites i'm gonna be picking my own favorites so dakota will be I'm trying to get her in that episode. I hope so. Yeah. I, yeah. Very, I, I think she is already, but I'm, I'm going to make sure she's in that episode. Uh, we we got to get her on recording at least, at least Seriously. once a season. Seriously. At least once. 
but uh, she came up with that idea. And she's really excited by the episode. So if you really, if you, if you could uh, just, just what's your favorite moment and then uh, get a hold of her. Uh, we'll have the, if you listen to the, uh, go to our, the links and stuff, you'll find out how to messenger from the descriptions. Um, and we're, st- and one of the biggest ones is we're starting our countdown to the season finale. Yes. We've been going straight since last October, but we decided that with the, uh, the holiday season, uh, being, you know, November to Christmas, um, we, we were going to like, you know, take a basically two months off yeah. just to kind of like recharge, yeah. kind of work on the back catalog a little bit, maybe a little bit longer. Not quite sure. Uh, we're going to be back in January for sure sometime, but I don't know if it'll be the first week, but we'll see. But we have five more episodes uh, until we take a short break for the holidays. And uh, our finale will be on October 24th. That's our Halloween special. And I'm very, 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 very. Mm. That's the topic I've had picked for at least three years, if not longer. Okay. I've had that. When I had the, when they had the idea for the episode, when I had the idea for the podcast, I had two episodes picked. What the first one I was going to do and what the Halloween special for the first season was going to, what the first Halloween special I was going to do. So. Noise, noise. Yes. I, I cannot wait to start doing research. Exciting stuff. I think the Halloween special might be a longer episode too. We'll see. We'll see. I think for the specials, we can go back to our longer episodes, but then. Yeah, I think if I, people like this uh, one hour format that we're trying to do. Do you like it? Let us know. Uh, we it's, it's a creative limit for sure. Uh, and those are those are healthy to put on yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. We, we banter pretty hard, but it's yeah. just it's just who we are, man. It's just who we are. Uh, I want to do some quick Twitter shout outs real quick from some uh, friend podcasts. Oh, uh, the Beard Al podcast. Speaking of Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> uh, real quick. That's uh, Lauren and John. Talk about two of the greatest things in the world, beer and Weird Al. Uh, they pair Weird Al's extensive catalog with different types of beer. Okay. So uh, the appropriate beer for the appropriate Weird Al song. Okay. I, I got to get behind that. I, I want to get a hold of them and talk to them about uh, what they think uh, Trapped in the drive Through should be paired with if they haven't covered that already. <laughs> oh man i recently introduced my brother to uh r kelly's trapped in the closet the hip hopera. r oh, kelly's yeah. r-, r kelly is a real piece of human trash but uh trapped in the closet is 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 an experience it's it's a ride it's it's a ride uh and then we have the other uh and that is at uh at beard owl podcast on twitter and then uh the other one is at origin story. Sorry, the origin story podcast. I, I was trying to be so better, much better with this. The origin story podcast, which is at origin story underscore. They're a podcast that interviews creators about where they came from and how they got where they are today. Oh, just a cool okay. story about Sorry, just a cool podcast about just like talking about creators, what they make and how they, you know, their inspirations, which I think is fascinating. Mm. Um, and then uh, don't forget about our jukebox jams, which is a custom playlist curated by uh, the sorceress of social media and uh, Joe and I. And it's a uh, basically a playlist that goes with the episode directly, or is music inspired by the episode. And uh, the two new playlists are out now, which is Taylor Swift's Illuminati induction and the Devil's Music, which is Satanic Panic One and Two. Which I believe one of those is the Filthy 15. Like just the whole playlist is the Filthy 15. Mm. 
I believe wow. so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, they all, uh, by the way, the, the, the jams also include the episode in those playlists. Yes. So again, yeah, there's a, it's a lot of work. It's, it's a cool extra thing to have, but uh, uh, Dakota really puts a lot of work into that. And with that, I want to thank her for all her incredible yes. uh, sorcery with the social medias. Kenny with all the amazing audio wizardry that he does. Uh, you, the audience, thank you so much for joining us on this ride and experiencing the new format with us. We're going to go forward with this for a while. Uh, and thank you, Joe, for being here. Thank you, Ty, for having me here. And let me just react to all of the crazy shit you say into that microphone. Dude, there's <laughs> season two already. The episodes we have pre-planned. They include robots. It's going to be a wild ride. It's going to be, it's going to be good. And it's not going to be that much long. It, it's it's going to, the two months are going to fly by, but it's, it's time we need to work on the show and the, and the, and the infrastructure to make it better for you guys. So are we making a uh, trailer for season two? I think we should. Yeah, I think we should. So expect, uh, expect good things. We, we, we have a lot planned and we're very excited for the next run of things, but that is all the time we have this episode. Again, Thank you so much. Please rate and review us. We, we, we really need the help. And it's a quick and easy thing uh, you can help us out with for all the, uh, the production that goes into these episodes. And talk to us. And talk to us. We want to hear what you want to say. We Hell love, yeah. The whole reason we're here is because we love, we love chatting about music. We love talking. We love listening. Definitely. Oh, yeah. So until next time.